Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Tulika Rani. She is an ex-Indian Air Force officer, mountaineer, a motivational speaker, a TEDx speaker, an author, and a G20 brand ambassador for Uttar Pradesh, India. Welcome, Tulika. So happy to have you here. We've been trying so hard to get this done. We've had to reschedule multiple times, so it's so lovely to finally have you here today and to share a bit about your story and your journey. So thank you for taking and making the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story and your journey. I'm so excited. Uh, My pleasure. Yes, I was looking forward to talking to you and to your audience And finally, I'm glad that we can make it today. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So with all of that being said, you are also a women's empowerment advocate. Now, you certainly do wear a lot of hats, and I know you're one hell of a busy woman. (laughs) It's an extensive resume you have. So I'm curious, how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization for you? Well, it is extremely important to prioritize because there are a lot of activities that a person can do. There are a lot of tasks, rather, imposed upon us sometimes by the circumstances or by our choices. But we have to make out time for the most important thing at that particular moment. So since I have delved into various uh, fields, simultaneously I write, I speak on the stage, I am a brand ambassador, I'm a public figure, and I'm an academician too. So I got go to a college to take classes because I'm an assistant professor of history also. But yes, I manage my time accordingly. So if in the morning it is more important to exercise and tune my mind towards the day's activities, I first do that. You talked about prioritizing and I do exactly that because first thing in the morning when I get up, I know that my mental health is my uppermost priority. So that particular time of an hour or so in the morning, I do not give to anybody in this world not to the mess that comes through our phone into our lives, not perhaps to our loved ones also at that particular time, even they have to understand that a person requires time to connect with himself or herself first thing in the morning. So I create my own mental energy in the morning so that I'm ready to give to the world that positivity, which I'm known for perhaps. So this is number one priority, which I suppose everybody should have. Ourselves are the first priority for us. Thereafter, I know what all works I have to do. So accordingly, in the sequence, I do one thing at one time. What happens is we are stressed most of the times just by thinking that we have a lot to do and a very limited time. 
So that thinking, overthinking rather doesn't help us. What is more important is choose one thing at one time, finish it off, and thereafter move on to the another thing. Beautiful. I love that. You're right. We do. We get caught up in and overwhelmed when we think about all the things we have to do in a day. It tends to overwhelm us. And then I think that's counterproductive because we won't get as much done because we're so busy worrying about the things we have to get done. We don't, we spend too much time worrying about it as opposed to doing the things. So focus on one task at a time, get that completed and then move on to the next one. And we also have to remember not to be hard on ourselves if we don't get everything done in a day. We have to give ourselves that grace and space around that too, which, which is very important. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because we are ultimately human beings. We are not gods. Yeah, and uh, right. even if we talk about God, even he or she, whichever form we imagine <laughs> God, in, in the form of absolute energy, or as we have in India, Sagorn and Nirgorn, I mean, God in a particular form or God without form also. But if we look at our own lives or in the history of humankind also, there is a time gap when things happen. Everything requires a certain amount of time, sustenance, effort to take place. A child is born in nine months. It is not going to happen before that. And if it happens before that, it is called premature delivery. So that is not how our lives shall be rather. So we have to give ourselves that much time that things will happen. We have to focus on our efforts. See, we have a very holy scripture, which is very relevant and practical in all times in India and to the world also, Bhagavad Gita. And Gita okay. says, Gita is one, like we have an epic, Mahabharata, which is a story about a fight between two groups of brothers, cousins, Pandava and Kauravas. When they are fighting at the battlefield, Lord Krishna tells Arjuna, his disciple, this wisdom, which is recorded in the book form Gita. And Gita says, the duty of a human being is to focus on the work, on your duty. What is in your hands, you focus on that and forget about the results. They will come. Whatever results come, you got to accept it later on. Thinking that perhaps this is the best. So this yeah, is how I absolutely. live my life. I love it. That's brilliant. What drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and pushing and excelling at all that you do, Talika? Well, there is a quest within. And I think that every human being has immense potential. One thing that we are unique beings, and every human being on this earth has been sent for a purpose. And with a specific gift given by God. See, I believe firmly in God. We may or we may not uh, believe in a superior power, but still... I think that human birth is unique. In our Indian philosophy, it is said that a person is born as a human being after being born in 33 crores other forms. So human being has so much of potential because we have a mind, we have a body which can take us forward in so many ways and we have the power to dream. We have the power to go beyond our everyday physical existence and survival. We can think of the future, which is not yet here. And that is why I think that if this birth is so special, why not make the fullest use of it? And why not delve Absolutely. within first? Self-discovery is the most amazing thing in this world. Circumstances come, they throw us into difficult situations also. 
but it is up to a human being what to do with those circumstances and we surprise ourselves and we surprise the world sometimes by coming out stronger a better person and doing miracles so i have this sort of a knowledge that human beings have this amazing power to reconstruct their lives and also to make a positive difference in their surroundings and that is why i do what i keep doing love it we are we're all here with a gift or gifts multiple gifts to share with the world we are all here with a purpose and a mission to give back i think a big part of why we're here is to help and support and lift and cheerlead each other as human beings and we are here to share our gifts with the world. We shouldn't be denying the world of our gifts because we do all have those gifts. And it is our, I believe, our responsibility to share those gifts with the world because you're going to give back to someone else. You're going to impact someone else's life. That's your responsibility. You were given a gift. So it's your duty to share it with the world so that the world Absolutely. can benefit from it. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, I have thought right from childhood about these notions of our responsibility of giving back, the value of sacrificing ourselves for others, as well as being individualistic. So I thought that is a human being actually capable of sacrificing oneself for others? Though we say that these are the loftiest ideals in this world, but are we actually capable of doing this? And do human beings actually live by this? And how practical is it to tell them that you have to live for others? Will, will they follow this willingly? Mm -hmm. Or is it easy to follow it? It's not easy because no. our natural tendency is to live for ourselves. That's I right. read Ayn Rand also. And this question, when I was a teenager, this actually embroiled me in thoughts, counter thoughts. Because I thought that there is something wrong with the notion of sacrificing oneself for others. Thereafter, I read uh, Ayn Rand's books, and oh. I read uh, Ayn Rand has written The Fountainhead and The Atlas Shrugged. So this is essentially about a struggle between our uh, duty to sacrifice ourselves for other human beings, the society, and our duty to take care of ourselves as individual beings. So what I have found out in my life till now is, and I'm sure... I have found out this also, that the Indian philosophy also puts a lot of focus on this, that first it is our duty to look after ourselves, first it is our duty to develop our individual potentials, and thereafter this consciousness will come automatically that now you cannot contain it within only, because you have had so much, you have absorbed so much of knowledge, so much of wisdom, so much of observation you have had with open heart that now you are spontaneously ready to emit that energy, to give it back. So I think first has to come that self-development, self-care. Yes. And thereafter, mm -hmm. it would be naturally a gradual process towards willingly giving it to the society. So yes, the ultimate purpose of a human life will be to give back to the society and Absolutely. leave a legacy here. But the process will start from self-care and gradually proceeding towards becoming a beacon of hope to the rest of the world. Absolutely agree with you 100%. So I want to talk a little bit about your time spent in the, in the Indian Air Force. So you are an ex-Indian Air Force officer and mountaineer. I would love to know what inspired you to want to join the Air Force and how long were you part of the Air Force? Yeah, I joined the Air Force in 2005. 
and I served there for 10 years as an administrative okay. officer. My parent branch was administration, and thereafter I had a specialization in air traffic control services. And in my last tenure, I was also posted as an military outdoor training instructor in the Air Force Academy, because by that time I had already climbed Everest. So I wow. think the Air Forces thought me fit to go and train the cadets, the would-be officers. So this was my profile. And now to your question as to what motivated me. I think that every person must choose one's career as per one's orientation in life. So a lot of the times we go by peer pressure or our family expectations or the other considerations regarding money, fame, position, but contrary to it. I firmly believe that everybody should choose a career which doesn't feel like a career or work. A work which you can do for hours and hours together and not feel tired. Something that makes you feel alive after you have done it for hours and you come back home satisfied. So first we have to look within as to what kind of a person we are because we are all very different. What yes. may fit my siblings may not fit me. So right. I thought that as a child or as a, a teenager, I thought I loved traveling. And I also loved adventure. I still love adventure. Life is ultimately an adventure because every day there is something unknown, something unexpected happening. And you are supposed to take care of that, good or bad. You're supposed to make the best of it. And you're supposed to achieve a task with limited resources and unexpected circumstances. So that is what I was. And I loved to interact with people from different cultural backgrounds. And so I thought that, yes, Defense Forces are the best place for me to be. I was also an NCC cadet. We have this National Cadet Corps in India. Okay. During the college, I was an NCC cadet also. I, I was a gold medalist at the state level. So because I wore that uniform, the charm of uniform grew on me. It was a natural progression, I suppose. I thought that I had the leadership qualities too. So adaptability. In uh, armed forces, we need this. We need a lot of confidence in a person. We need initiative taking the capability. We need a person to be good communicator and a motivator and risk taker. Plus, that person shall have the love of traveling and, and connecting with people automatically. I thought mm -hmm. I had all these qualities. And to my gratefulness, the selectors also thought so that I fitted well. So I got into the Air Force. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and I enjoyed my service of 10 years over there. Thereafter, yes, the, while being in the Air Force itself, I got an opportunity to join Adventure Sports. Because okay. in India, I am, I'm sure in other forces also in the world, we have a directorate of Adventure Sports. So armed forces conduct adventure activities and ask for volunteers. What is okay. my credit is that I took that initiative again to volunteer for adventure activities. So this is how in 2009, I volunteered for my basic mountaineering course. And again, I was, I suppose, very grateful, very, very fortunate at that time that Air Force had conceived an idea of sending its women officers to Mount Everest. In 2011, this idea was conceived in 2009. There was supposed mm -hmm. to be a two years long training. I volunteered for it. I will admit that I was not really good at it initially. <laughs> <laughs> I thought what kind of a torture I have put myself into. 
because climbing mountains is torturous physically yeah it is really punishing so i thought initially why i have come here but gradually i realized that after you reach a summit doing sustained hard work and pushing your body for hours and hours you realize that you had that much of strength within more than physical strength it is the mind that you discover yeah. that i have such a strong mind which can propel my body for so long without eating much in such harsh conditions and that self discovery gave me such an adrenaline shot and i thought wow i have hit this jackpot now that i can delve within myself find out these nuggets as so these are my weaknesses these are my strengths too i know myself as a person a little better now when i go to the mountains so this is what kept on propelling me to go on mountains 24 times including everest wow. in 2011 this is a different story again that failure has taught me more than my success yeah. and with this air force project in 2011 though i had trained with my team for two long years on four different himalayan peaks we went to siachen glacier also which is the highest battlefield unfortunately on the earth coldest mm-hmm. place also in south asia so we had trained well in 2011 we went to everest as an air force climbing team and everybody expected that perhaps i would be one of the people to have our national flag put on the summit but due to a combination of factors i had to return from more than half a year and that failure in worldly terms taught me a lot in my life because first i saw that cruel face of the society of the world mm-hmm. because the world does not take failures very easily there is right. a kind of cruel treatment meted out to people who are not able to achieve their goals whether they have been set by themselves or by the society expected from them and then i realized that okay however much efforts you have put in into a task what matters most to the people is the outcome but more than that i think it was another quest which was within and my mother also told me this that you had the potential to do perhaps you did not yeah. give your best this is where i introspected and i found that perhaps i could have done more despite the external circumstances not being favorable did i give my best so the air force expedition of which i was a part in 2011 was successful because some of my team members could make it to the top right. but individually i i couldn't do that so next year in 2012 i launched my own individual expedition which was a herculean task for me because i was already a serving officer so i had to manage time now additionally with doing mm-hmm. my duty to work out and prepare for mount everest which requires wow. a preparation at least at my end to work out say for 6 to 7 hours every day and to find Holy out that time crow. was not easy and another uh, challenge was to manage finances because climbing everest is an expensive affair by any terms right so me being an air force officer i couldn't seek any private sponsorship because i was not permitted to talk to the press there is a restriction right. on the armed forces people so there was a genuine concern in the private enterprises that i wouldn't be able to to talk to the press and give them publicity even if i climb on their money so why yeah. would they invest their money on me that was genuine right. while in the indian air force there was no precedence 
of an officer going on leave to climb Everest. So they okay. couldn't help me financially. They did help me with the equipment and the weather forecast and everything. But ultimately, I took out all my savings. My parents also did. And thereafter, mm-hmm. I took my entire entitlement of leave of a year in one go. That meant that I, I was not able to come home that year. And I managed my time. See, we were talking of prioritizing and time management in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And here I did time management to the ultimate because I did my Air Force duties also, which is time consuming. You can be called yeah. for duty at four o'clock in the morning or the duty may go on till one o'clock in the night. You have to right. find out time to work out additionally. So I did all that. And ultimately in 2012, when I did go to Everest again on my individual expedition, there were a lot of life and death situations again. During those two months, so many times it happens that perhaps now I will have to go back again without climbing. But there was this battle between my mind and body. I fell sick on the same point, on the same wall from where I had returned. There's a Lhotse Mm -hmm. wall, ice wall in the middle of the route to Everest summit. So I had returned from that wall in my previous expedition. In my next individual expedition also, I returned from the same point because I fell sick again. And when I came back down to recover, this battle ensued between me and my body that I got to recover because my task has not yet been accomplished. And I have seen these miracles happen in my life again and again. You know, we talk about energy, we talk about the power of mind and visualization. It doesn't come overnight, but it does come if we practice. I had practiced for an entire year when I was preparing for Everest after my first failed attempt. Because I thought that physically I was fit earlier also. But where I was lacking was perhaps that 1% in my mind that fear was there. So I had to remove that fear. I trained my mind and that is why when in my individual expedition in 2012, these situations happen of life and death situations, time and again, my mind could take over and my body could miraculously recover and I could make it to the top after falling many a times, perhaps weather went bad. So I kept coming down, going up, coming down, but ultimately I did make it to the top on 26th May, 2012. Amazing. And I have seen time and again that if you let your mind take over in the moment of crisis, you are better placed. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, congratulations. That is huge. I can't even imagine how incredible that must have felt for you to finally achieve that goal and to have overcome the mind and use your mind to overcome and battle the fear and get to the top. That's absolutely so inspiring and incredible, Talika. Amazing. Thank you. You know, it's, it ultimately boils down to discovering our own strengths. Because as yeah. human beings, we do have those strengths. We have instances of people starting to run at 90 years of age, and they continue mm-hmm. to run at 100 years, more than 100 years. So these are also human beings. They do such miraculous yeah. tasks. I'm not saying that we start doing those things today, now, but gradually in our own respective fields, we can strive for excellence. We can strive for stretching our limits. And yes, as you said, without being too harsh upon ourselves, the process has to be gradual. So there is no competition with anybody, of course. I feel that this competition puts a lot of strain on a person in one's life. 
The first it of does. all, it has to be put into our minds that we are unique. We have our own pace in our lives. The other person has her own pace and we do not know what battles they are fighting. We do not That's know right. what pains they are hiding. So rather than comparing ourselves from their lives, it is better that we own and accept our strengths, our weaknesses, our paces in our lives, our aspirations, and our hopes and determination. Absolutely. I think our only competition, and this is something I learned a couple of years into my journey as an entrepreneur, is my only competition is me. As long yes. as I can look back and see that I'm improving and I'm growing and I'm expanding, that's the only competition I have. There is more than enough of everything in this world to go around for everybody. There's more than enough work. There's whatever your specialty is, whatever your area of expertise, there's more than enough to go around for the world. It is incredibly abundant. So we don't need that competition mindset. That's self-defeating. We need to get past that. And like I said, the only person you should be in competition with is yourself. It's to see that you're improving and that's all that matters. That's it. And gratefulness, I suppose that God has given each one of us enough to survive upon. He has given us a body which functions fine. Perhaps some ailments may occur time and again. But still, if we have a whole body intact, I think that's such a blessing. So when I get up in the morning, I look at myself and I tell myself this. See, we have these notions of beauty of perfection, of excellence, of success set by others for ourselves. We have to get out of those molds. Life is to be lived, experienced and loved. So if we have been given this human birth, I think we must be grateful for this. We must be grateful for all that we have. Uh, Absolutely. A house, if we have a house, that's a big thing. If we have some yeah. people that we can talk to, somebody who can genuinely connect with us, that's such a blessing. If you have a gift, if somebody can speak, write, paint, or just connect with people, that's such a gift. We have yes, the biggest absolutely. gifts of being able to smile. Yes, so absolutely. Kind of we need thing, to be grateful. We need to express gratitude for all yes. that we have. Yes. Absolutely. And it should not come mechanically. I suppose it should come from no. within. We must feel it. Because what if we do not have even what we have right now? Yeah. What if we exactly. do not have? So, and That's things right. can change in a moment. We must be very conscious of this momentariness, temporariness of everything, of ourselves, of others, of the physical things that we have around, of people that we have. And when we know this consciously, that things may change, I think we value what we have more. Yes, absolutely. Now, while you're in the Air Force, you train the first three female fighter pilots. That is a pretty incredible and a big achievement. How did that feel for you? I mean, I would imagine that the Air Force is probably a male-dominated field. So how did that feel for you as a woman achieving that? That was a historical moment. And yes, I was their military training instructor. They were mm -hmm. trained in flying by other uh, pilots. But yes, together we trained them and along with them, other officers also. So that was a historical moment in my country, at least, because they were the first female fighter pilots to be inducted and be trained. Now they are doing wonderfully well. I'm still in touch with them. And now more women have been inducted as fighter pilots and in other uh, streams also. So I felt that they did wonderfully well. 
and it also represented a kind of opening up of vistas for women and about this gender equality the opportunities in front of a person shall be based upon one's merit capabilities efficiency and not on the basis of gender gender shouldn't define your area of work or what you can have in life gender shouldn't def- be a definition that's that. right so i that's think right. that it was a historical moment of transition in our society after that women do have the permanent commission also now they can become the ceos of units they can be given these postings which they were not entitled to earlier so there is a lot of progressive change happening in our society and i'm really grateful for that i think uh, when one woman achieves something or for that matter when one person achieves something it opens a path for the rest of the generations to come also they have the power they have the idea of dreaming more because there is no limit to human capabilities and achievements that's right so me being associated in my small way as a military training instructor with the first uh, female fighter pilots of india was a privilege for me also to be a part that's of that that's an incredible achievement in that's phenomenal and a huge step forward for women yes. you were part of that you helped yes. facilitate that that has got to feel absolutely incredible for you this was this so was because i saw that now after that there are more areas being opened up for women and they are proving yeah. their capabilities as those girls did they are still doing it and i'm really glad to see that see i wanted to be a commando when i was under training in 2005 but i wasn't able to be because at that time and even now women are not allowed to be commandos in our country as yet but okay. that needs to change too and i'm yeah. i'm hopeful that gradually it will change so uh, it has to be based upon your merit your capabilities and not upon your gender so when Absolutely. i could see this women getting into being a fighter pilot it was really a moment to cherish yeah for sure so what facilitated you leaving the air force see it was a short service commission for 10 years okay. because earlier we did not have the permanent commission for women but now after the supreme court judgment the permanent commission for women officers has been granted so i completed my 10 years and by that time i had already become the instructor in the air force academy so i think i had attained that high kind of a mark in my career i was satisfied with my performance too and thereafter i came into the civil life and i thought that yes i can remodel myself as per the civil life too so here i was always interested in academics even during my air force stint i was a topper in academics in my training time too and in my promotional courses also afterwards so here when i came i got into academics officially i have cleared my all india level teachers qualification test which we call net okay. national eligibility test so that made me eligible to apply for a professorship in a university or a college which again i cleared that examination too and i was selected by my state higher education commission thank you now i am an assistant professor of history so again i am with students the young people this is what i love the most being with the youth is extremely important as it is energizing to the other person also mm-hmm. because the power they have the quest in life they have the dreams they have in their eyes and, and they have the capability to be flexible at their ages so yeah. you can really make a change in their lives by your perspective by your knowledge by your skills 
And this is what I like the most. At the end, when I come after taking my classes, I'm really satisfied that I could give them more than their syllabus. I could give them a perspective. So that is one thing which I'm doing right now. Another thing, of course, is my public life. I have been mm-hmm. the brand ambassador for uh, election commissions in my state, which is Uttar Pradesh. So at that time, I had the opportunity to connect with the suburban areas also. Like I live in a city called Lucknow, which is the capital of Uttar Pradesh, the state that I live in. It is in the heart mm-hmm. of North India. So one okay. of the biggest states that we have in India. We have a very high number of seats, 80 seats in the central parliament too, from my state. So here when I came and elections were taking place, I was made the brand ambassador for Election Commission of India's program, which is Water Generation Program, SWEEP, Systematic Water Education Program. And through that, with the administration, I was able to connect with the youth and every strata of society in the civil stream. So till now, I was working in the military with young cadets who were supposed to be officers. Now, when I came into the civil, I again got into the public life, working with the youths and women. And I could see that their challenges were different. Their aspirations were the same, I suppose, to utilize their talent and their potential. But their barriers and their challenges were very different. And I had, again, the opportunity to understand my people more and to connect with them. This is what I love the most, to connect with human beings. Because somewhere I feel, whether you live in Europe, you live in Asia, you live in a village, you live in an urban place, human beings have underlying similarities. We all want respect. We all want to be loved. We all want to utilize our talents and make a place for ourselves, be satisfied with what we have achieved in our lives. We all feel pain. And we all feel that power of a genuine smile and genuine touch. So that has given me the ability to remodel myself in the civil life. And I can say that I feel that I'm fairly successful in this because when I'm on the stage and talking to people, I feel alive. And by their reaction, I can tell that they feel that connection with me. So God has again given me this opportunity and I'm really grateful for all the people also on this earth along with God <laughs> who have faith in my capabilities. Now, you have 24 mountaineering and trekking expeditions under your belt. Why do you feel so compelled to conquer these mountains that you've climbed? Well, I go to discover myself again and again, as I said. I really feel that a human being has so much within then you keep on discovering yourself all your life. Now, something happens. I wrote a poem recently, though it is in Hindi, because I write in Hindi and English, both languages. And so the gist was, I, I'll just quote a few lines here. Sure. In Hindi and thereafter I'll translate. I wrote, I jab jab sochta hoon, seekh gaya dhang ka. Zindagi haske mujhe ek naya rang dikhati hai. This was in Hindi. And the English version is, Whenever I think that I have mastered the art of living, life smiles at me and throws me a different you altogether. So this is is how we feel as human beings, that now we know we have experienced a lot. Now we know how to live our lives. Now we know what we actually are and how we behave in a certain situation. But life is very interesting. It keeps putting us in unexpected situations and we keep surprising ourselves. We could react like this also. Could we be so mean to somebody or 
did we have the power to be so charitable so both the things both the aspects of human beings come out during covid also it happened i suppose a lot of people yeah. suffered and a lot of people came out in a very heroic way too so yes. so that kind of a thing i think that is why i keep going to the mountains because i think that there first of all i'm bereft of all the worldly things the worldly expectations the high paced life so everything is put to a full stop there for a while if not a full stop mm-hmm. at least a pause and you have some time to meditate to think about yourself about your life connect with nature for me it is very important to connect with nature i am a nature's child completely so that is why i feel so rejuvenated when i am in the connection of nature that can happen anywhere in a city also this happens but in the mountains it is a more profound experience because we do not have all those distractions the, the traffic is not there vehicular traffic less number of human beings and we are more amidst the nature i love being there because i have that kind of a laser time to experience life at slow pace now you could just sit there and gaze out of a window look at the snow pieces falling that's so beautiful these are something yeah. some experiences that are etched forever in one's soul you could just uh, stand and listen to the rhythmic movement of a river that sound which gets recorded in your mind and soul automatically so even when i'm in a city i can just stand sometimes close my eyes and feel that i can be there again so it has this power of transporting you to an, in a different world where you are a part of nature no more in a hurry to prove anything to anybody and to conquer anything no i love that I love kind it. of an experience a divine experience in mountains it is more spi- spiritual for me than a physical conquest so i go there to be with myself and to be with nature be in connection deeply with god so that's how you know it's it makes me feel alive that's why i go there what has been the most challenging climb or expedition you've done so far <laughs> all the climbs i suppose are challenging <laughs> yeah <laughs> climbing in itself is a challenging exercise but yes if i talk about everest because you know i when i was climbing kumbu ice fall just above the base camp if you are climbing through the southeast ridge in nepal just above the base camp there is this hafizad ice fall with big chunks of ice moving on an everyday basis too sometimes and with a lot of crevasses which is called khumbu glacier uh, and it is so beautiful it is dangerous extremely but it is captivatingly beautiful and when i was climbing it in 2011 with the air force team i used to think okay now i i won't be able to see this beauty again and then perhaps khumbu said no you come back again i'll call you <laughs> <laughs> and i came back because i couldn't make it to the top so i had to return next year so these kind of challenges are there but i think they are more than challenges they are moments of reflection they are moments of propelling yourself to do better yes everest was challenging in more than one way physical challenging it was yes physically it was challenging to climb it because it is the highest it has that altitude which wreaks havoc with one's body but in uh, addition to that more challenging was for me to gather finances to do my time management so that was also one of the challenges and 
to maintain that mental balance when things go wrong when things go awfully and you think that you are at the verge of losing everything that you have put at stake then to maintain that hope is a challenge being positive doesn't come so easy it has to be practiced i'm not saying that a person can be positive all the time no i did shout at times i was desperate i was frustrated but i suppose for me positivity is when you are in a thick situation you do feel that disappointment and dejection and frustration but you you decide to come out of it quickly sooner than later you decide yeah. to take charge of the situation and do it at any cost or whatever do your best at least so that's positivity for me everest was challenging in this way and i felt a huge relief when i did make it to the top and came back successfully though i did come back with a little bit of frostbite on my two toes and i had to be hospitalized for 3 months for that i had to lose wow. certain portion of my toe but during those 3 months in a hospital i wrote my book beyond that wall which was published in 2021 from delhi congratulations it did uh, well thank you so it is up to us what challenges are put into our way and how we react to it challenges may come that's beyond our, our capability but how we react to it is and again when i went to russia to climb albrus though albrus is not that technically challenging peak but i chose to do it pre season because i think the season starts from june and i went to climb it in april purposely because i wanted to see what happens when you go to climb a peak pre season it would be more challenging and more adventurous <laughs> there was nobody apart from me and my guide and one person who wanted to ski down the summit so it was just we and i could like i we could reach somewhere short the summit but uh, due to winds picking up i suppose from 94 kilometers or so as per the weather forecast we couldn't move further but yes we did climb very close to the summit also that was challenging because there were no ropes and i had to come down alone on that slope and i used to think what if i slip I, i'll just go down the valley <laughs> so it yeah. had some challenge but it was enjoyable and similarly when i was climbing asia's highest volcano in iran mount tamawand because it's a volcano there is sulfur coming out as you go nearer the summit so you are going wow. higher in the altitude you are already at a dearth of oxygen because you are going higher in the altitude and thereafter you have sulfur mix in whatever little oxygen you have so that makes it more challenging so there are these sort of challenges at every peak but i think that is what makes them uniquely beautiful and enjoyable incredible you are an incredible inspiration i love it the challenges you just take them on and embrace them and move forward through it and such an inspiration truly talika that incredible just amazing you're an inspiration for so many and so many women I think it's incredible you're a role model with all you have accomplished and all you have achieved in your mountaineering career and the air force I think it's absolutely so incredible and inspiring just amazing Thank you thank you so much I think it comes to... because yes please go No ahead. go ahead sorry go ahead I think it comes because a person wants to live her life fully it doesn't matter as to what role you were fitting in earlier because a lot of times we have to reconstruct our lives sometimes as this pandemic came people's lives got altered completely 
So yeah. I'm not equating it with my transition from Air Force to the civil. That is also challenging because once you are a military person, you live in a particular way. You live in a particular organization which works in a particular way. But in the civil stream, it's entirely different. And to be successful here, you have to learn or unlearn a few things. So yeah. but that remodeling can happen at any time in anybody's life due to whatever factors. It's important that we be flexible, adaptable, and leave behind our past identities to a certain extent, though we do not separate from our past completely, but be flexible as to the present situation and the coming situations too. Then life becomes better, easier to bear, and more conducive to do better, I suppose. I want to talk a little bit about your TEDx talk. I mean, that's a dream and a goal for a lot of people out there to to become a TEDx speaker and to do their talk. Was this something that was a bucket list item for you, something you really wanted to achieve? No, I think that wasn't in my bucket list. (laughs) Also, I I will say that I am a really blessed person. Opportunities come my way. When they come, I make the most of it. I do work hard very much. And if the challenges come on the way, I am really adept to take on the challenges too. I do my best at that time. But I'm really blessed that as climbing Everest was not my dream initially. The Air Force had planned it. So when I couldn't climb Everest in my first attempt with the Air Force, then I decided to do my expedition because I was already into it by that time, emotionally and mentally. Similarly, the TEDx happened I was already a public speaker, so I used to deliver talks in uh, schools, colleges, education institutions, corporate houses, government institutions. I was already doing that, but out of the blue, somebody invited me to deliver a TEDx talk in one of the universities that happened to be the COVID time, so it had to be recorded at my home, so I didn't have that luxury of being on the stage with all that paraphernalia, but yes, it was TEDx. So this opportunity came, but yes, I can understand that it is a dream because it has that sort of a name and reputation. Only the people who are the best are on TEDx. So yes, I would say that if somebody is in the sphere of public speaking, one shall strive. There is nothing wrong in striving for the top, wherever, whichever field you are working. And if we strive, I think we create roads for ourselves. So even though TEDx was not my dream, I suppose I was already working towards it by giving my best at whatever level I was speaking. So opportunities come this way. Even if you're not directly creating them, you are indirectly creating them by performing to the best capabilities wherever you are performing right now. What was the theme and subject matter of your talk? It was time to ponder and striving for excellence. Later on, they gave this topic, striving for equilibrium. Time to ponder was what they told me. This is an open-ended topic. And I chose, I thought about it. And thereafter, I narrowed down to one thing which I hold very dear to my heart. I thought it is a time when a human being shall look for unity because it is a time of a strife, of conflict all around. If we see there are two strands in humanity going on simultaneously, one is of conflict and strife, Perpetually, there is war. Perpetually, there are differing ideologies struggling to gain dominance and human beings at loggerheads. Another stream running parallelly is of unity. There would always be some religious leaders or spiritual leaders, to put it in better terms, 
there would always be somebody who would be talking of human unity and peace. So these two strands exist together. And I thought that ultimate quest of humanity should be to be united because we were created one people. We were not divided as we are divided now on superficial levels. Divisions are political divisions. Divisions are geographical divisions, perhaps. Divisions of appearances. But underlying, there is similarity in our human beings as we talked about earlier. And if we understand this, conflicts will lessen. I don't say that they will uh, vanish totally, but they will lessen. And I ended the talk on this note that there is goodness and evil, both existing in this world. And people might question that these ideas of peace, love, unity, harmony, they have been preached by people since ages, but they have not been achieved yet. So what is the use of it? If human beings are perpetually, you know, destined to be at war. And my question is, they have been fighting for ages, but there is still some people talking of this. That means those people who preached it years ago, ages ago, at least they impacted a certain number of people who carried this second strand forward. The strand of goodness, the strand of unity and peace. And that is why this balance has been maintained till now and humanity has not been extinct by fighting with each other. So as E is equal to MC square, energy remains constant. It is up to us what kind of energy we are emitting into this world. Are we the force which is good or are we the force which is bad? Which kind of energy, what balance, towards which side we are tilting the balance? And every human right. being can contribute to this. That's right. And yeah. I took, we I took, uh, we all have a choice. Example. I took examples from different streams. See, if we read biology, if we read history, everything with geography, for that matter, Paul science and the mythological studies, religious, philosophical studies, everything will point down to this, that human beings were created one. They are one. And the differences are only because of dominance seeking by a handful of people. So the largest society, if they recognize this, understand this, and maintain this unity, I suppose a lot of human problems can be solved. Absolutely. We all have a choice. And, you know, it's up to us what we do with what we have in this world. And there is so much divisiveness, and we don't need it. It's time to move past all the divisiveness and come together not as men and women or as human beings. We need to come together as human beings. We, you're right. We're all born the same. We all come into this world the same way. We all bleed yes. the same color blood when we cut, when we, yes. we all hurt. It, we are all human beings. And we need to realize that if we come together as one and unite, we can accomplish so much more in this world. We can accomplish so much good if we come together. And overcome. You're right. It's a small population of people that are pushing back and causing this divisiveness. So if the rest of the population comes together as human beings and unite, we can overcome anything. We can achieve so much in this world. Definitely. Definitely. And world will be a better place to live. I suppose this is what, that's the message that India is giving to the world right now. India has the G20 presidency in this year. And I'm really happy about it. I feel that pride that my country has achieved this, though this presidency of G20 comes naturally in rotation. But India is trying to give a very unique message to the world through the presidency. 
And I'm glad that I was privileged that I was also made the G20 brand ambassador from my state of Uttar Pradesh by higher education department of UP government. And I have been able to deliver more than 40 talks in various educational institutions, universities, colleges on what is G20, why India's presidency means so much. What is the significance that India is now heading the G20 at this juncture? And what is India trying to do through the presidency of this one year? So so this is another historical moment. You know, if you see the logo that we have created as India for G20, it is the entire planet, the earth. And beneath this, we have written one simple sentence, Vasudhev Kutumbakam, one one family, one future. So exactly what we are talking about right now, that we human beings are one. India is reiterating this. We have been saying this for ages, and India is again reiterating it at the World Forum, one earth, one family, one future. So rather than being divided on ideological terms, on political, geopolitical terms, economic terms, I think we need to seek this unity. It might be an elusive dream for some, but I think we have to strive for it because that is where we are going to live and and reap the potential that every human being has. So harmony with nature, harmony with each other, and this understanding that the challenges of the world are interconnected. They are not of one particular section of this planet. The climate change is affecting everybody, is going to affect the underprivileged nations even more. And radicalization is one. This divisiveness is another. The debt trap that we are facing, the geopolitical tensions that are rising within Asia and within Europe and Asia, within West and East. So these divisions are affecting everybody. As we had seen that during COVID also, it happened. The global supply chains got disrupted, even through wars. If a war is happening in any part of the world, it affects a lot of people who are not directly involved in it because we are all interconnected economically, politically also. So this kind of a message of unity that we can put our differences aside, perhaps think of humanity in larger terms and somewhere do some sort of adjustment This is what India is trying to do, trying to build consensus on issues that are international issues. They are not issues of one country only because no country or no human beings for that matter lives in isolation or will be able to live in isolation. Climate change is going to affect everybody. So the action has to be collective. If we want peace and security in our neighborhood and in the world, the action has to be collective. So that's what India is trying to do. And I'm, I'm really privileged that I'm a part of it. Our, our Honorable Prime Minister has given us this opportunity that we do not only have the main summit in Delhi, in our capital, but we have more than 200 summits taking place in different cities of India. So right now, we have achieved a milestone of having 100 summits, G20 summits, already being done, conducted in India. There are more going to happen during a span of time. And everybody... You would believe that even the person who cleans right now is aware what G20 is, that there is something called G20, that India is at the hem of this organization right now, and it is important. So this kind of awareness and participation at the grassroots level, India is trying to generate. Because, see, if we have to bring any change, people have to be involved in it. People at the lowest level have to be involved in it. So the change that we are seeing right now in India is decisions are not only being made at the highest level, 
whatever policies are being created they are being disseminated through the layers to the lowest man possible and his or her participation is being ensured i have also talked about this that if we have to fight climate change today everybody has to do behavioral changes small behavioral changes yes the policies will be there the environmental clearances for the for the projects perhaps in the forest will be will be harder to gain now so government will take care of it but at the lowest level what are we doing about it so this owning responsibility and bringing these behavioral changes in our day to day life is important whether we want to secure peace peace in our own lives in our neighborhood at our country's level international level or we want to have a greener environment a more pleasant positive environment environment within and environment outside internal as well as external so india right now is saying technology and tradition you know we are focusing on these two things technology for the outside things outside challenges that we have and tradition we do not say just blind tradition values that we already have values faith and values of humanity oneness love and peace which we have been saying all these ages so those traditions plus technology that can take care of your internal as well as external behavior and environment both the change we do we have to start at a grassroots community level we have to start within our own community first and foremost it has to start here with us individually we have to start here within ourselves then we move into community and that grassroots level and start talking with people talking about these issues and bringing people that are of like mind into the same community and then it just spreads out from there it's a ripple effect it spreads out to everyone else if we start talking about these things at a community level it will naturally just emanate outward into and touch the other people which will then spread it and it's that ripple effect and that's how we're going to get more people on board with it and raise the collective raise the vibration of the collective is doing that we start here at home at the grassroots community level Yes, wonderful. I love that. Raise the vibration. Yes, I absolutely love this yeah, phrase absolutely. of yours. Because uh-huh. it is kind of a ripple effect. It is kind of a wave that comes, wave in the favor of positive change. Yes. I suppose human beings have this capability to collectively create this wave for a positive change. And we 100%. must recognize this power in ourselves. So first we That's need to right. take care of ourselves, recognize that yes, we have this power, however powerless we might seem at one particular time. individuals yeah. they do seem overpowered by very big events happening around but somewhere yes. we need to understand that we can initiate changes first within ourselves the right. in our communities and perhaps at a bigger level later on so but we can't look at the whole staircase we have to look at it one step at a time because if you look at the whole staircase that's where the overwhelm sets in and you're like i'm one person i can't make all of these changes but you can one person can make a difference because you start within and then you bring in the like-minded people and it starts to grow and grow and grow and you take it one step at a time and we can achieve that together we can get to that point just it takes time and you've got to be willing to put in the work yes. right and i think there is nothing absolute in this world too no you know sometimes why we are exasperated that enough results are not forthcoming we are putting in efforts but sometimes we we tend to feel this that it is not the desired results that are coming but we have to be pragmatic about the results too no it comes gradually it comes in degrees 
and it takes time. So sometimes yes. it may take centuries also for some things to That's change. Right. But it is important to initiate a particular change now. Yes. And gradually people will take it forward. So you become a, a, a one contact point in that entire chain. Without you, that chain will be broken. This is That's the significance right. that we need to understand. I absolutely agree with you 100%. Talika, what does the word empowerment mean to you? Empowerment means to be able to take decisions of your life on your own. That is empowerment for me. Because that would only happen when you have knowledge, when you have courage, when you have that social freedom also. Some, somewhere economic freedom will come later perhaps. But for me, empowerment, if I talk about it, is when you feel responsible enough for your own life and when you have that kind of a freedom that I, that I can make my choices and world will accept. Because as human beings somewhere, we have this innate urge to be connected and accepted by our fellow beings. So if that kind of an environment is created where everybody feels that I am unique, I can have my choices. If they are not harming anybody else, I can still be different from the rest of them and they will accept me as unique being, not as an abnormal person perhaps. That is environment in true sense for me. And also thereafter, when, when a person is fulfilled within from all counts, I suppose, then comes this point where you start giving it back. When a person is frustrated within or feels restricted within, you cannot give back to the society despite any sort of preaching or any sort of being you know, told to give back to the society as duty. It will only come when you feel that, yes, now I have fulfilled myself to a certain extent and I shall give back. Because only when I have, I will be able to give. So empowerment right. for me is this, the society, as a society, we must strive to create this sort of a social environment, economic, socio-economic environment, basically structural changes shall be like this, that every person, whether they are the transgender people or they are the specially abled people or they are people with all sort of orientations, they are women, they are children, they are tribal people, they are people who live in slums or any strata of people for that matter, the citizens, senior citizens also are included in it. Everybody, despite the strata in society, despite their orientations in society, when they feel that they can be respected for their choices and accepted open-heartedly, this will be real empowerment, in my opinion. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? First of all is my optimism, I would say. So yeah. that doesn't mean that I'm not discouraged at times or disappointed. But yes, I have the power to bounce back. I'm innately an optimistic person, a person who is upbeat about life. So that's my power number one, which I think affects all other powers of mine. Because the skill set you may hone. Gradually, you can work upon whatever you have in your life. But first of all is the attitude. So if we have a positive attitude overall towards life, then I suppose we can do greater things in our lives in other fields also. Number two is adaptability. I'm quite adaptable. Wherever I go, I can be like that because that is what I suppose I was taught in the military to just blend in the environment. You know, you can camouflage <laughs> yourself if required. Yeah. You can be, be one of the environments. So that I can do fairly well. 
I can be comfortable in a rural setting. I can be comfortable in an urban setting. I can be comfortable with any sort of people for that matter. So that is one. Another would be communicating, I suppose. I feel that everybody has this unique gift. My gift from God is this power of spoken and written words. And I do believe that words have immense power to ignite change within and outside. So just try every morning to tell yourself that you are confident, you're successful, you're beautiful. You will start feeling that. It happens. Convincingly tell yourself and convincingly tell somebody else something. Every day do this. You'll feel. They will also start believing that, yes, it is true. So that kind of a power. Power of words to, to bring something out of that misery. Because a lot of people are today under emotional strain also. There are problems, yes. There are challenges. Economic challenges are there. Life is not easy for everybody at all the times. So do we have that kind of a skill set or power, I would say, that we can make somebody feel all right for a while? Give that hope or inspiration or motivation that, yes, things will be all right and you can sail through this. So I suppose this kind of a power to genuinely connect with people, I feel it from my heart. Because I feel it from my heart and that is what I feel God has given me as a gift. I'm not insulated. Yes, I talk about individual caring and individual development first, but I'm not insulated human being. I'm not an indifferent person. I feel deeply. And that is why I think I can connect with people. That's that's my another power. And yeah, Beautiful. I, you talked about vibrations. That one word just clicked my mind because <laughs> I feel there are vibrations in this world. Uh, you are sitting so far away from me, but I feel connected with you right now. I feel connected with everybody who's listening to me right now, though I can't see them. But I do feel yeah. that as human beings, through vibrations, we can feel each other. How can you just look at a person and, and you feel that connection? How yeah. come somebody just touches you lightly and you feel that connection? You feel elevated. So these kind of small things, though, in this digital world, we tend to forget. But we do have this power. We must remember that we do have this power. Some small action of ours can make somebody's day. So our words, Absolutely. if you give somebody a compliment, you know, doesn't it make your day if I give you a compliment? It does. It does my day. Of course. It makes my day. So we yeah. tend to forget these small things, but I think it makes a lot of difference. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Success would be if you're satisfied, because success is such a word, subjective word. People define it in terms of position, in terms of money. But I define it that if I'm satisfied that I have done my best, I'm successful. You know, there was a time I have not always been successful in worldly terms. During my first peak, I did climb successfully. Afterwards, I failed on my four successive peaks before I successfully climbed Everest. So that failure, if somebody had to put me in a dustbin outrightly as a failed climber, perhaps I would have been a failure throughout. But I didn't believe it. I thought that I could do. And that is why today people say that I'm a successful mountaineer because I did not take those initial failures as final. And again, when I came out of my service, the defense forces, it took me seven years to again get into officially a service. So there are times when you are in the eyes of the world, not a successful person. But I would only say from this platform that believe in yourself. What others say about you is not of that much consequence as to what you think of yourself. There came a time in my life when I decided again that whatever people say about me, I'm not going to take a note of it. 
I know what I am. I know what I am. And these are very powerful words. That you is incredibly powerful. You have to insulate yourself from the negativity that comes from all around when you are into a difficult time. Consciously, you got to take that decision. I'm not going to take the note of what people are talking about me right now. I know what I have been. I know what I am right now. And I know what I can be in the future. And this is a cycle. Success and failure is a continuous cycle. It merges into each other. Nothing remains permanent. So do not go towards this elusive term of success, I would say. More important is to focus as to what we can do in this moment. If we are in a bad situation, what can I do to get out of it and to be in a better situation? That would be a successful step for that particular day. And yes, of course, when you are at the peak, you know that you will go down eventually. So there is no point being very egoistic about it. The humility should be there when you are up at the top. And when you are down, of course, you should have this view, this understanding of the life that if you're at the bottom, there's only one way, upwards. That's right, up. <laughs> upwards, because life is Absolutely. life moves in a circle. Life is not yep. a linear process. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions, just be one, two, three word answer type thing, okay? If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Peace, love, I have told you. How would you describe yourself in one word? A driven person, cheerful. What is your favorite self-care practice? Meditation. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? My smile. That could, <laughs> I love it. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What's something you've learned that's surprising in the past year about yourself? Surprising is that... I could be broken and I could be remolded. I could emerge, you know, from the shattered places, I could emerge stronger. Though that's a natural phenomenon to happen, I suppose. But yes, whatever happens, there is still ray of hope. There's still brightness. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? My mother. Why? Because I see her as a person who has been with me unconditionally. That's very, very important. When we talk of family, it could be just one person. It could be many people. The family has to be where you can go in your worst moments. And you know that you can always return to them. So she has been that person for me where I have gone in my darkest times. She's been there to show me the way of light. And she has been my critic also. So she points out my weaknesses too in a very blunt way sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> and I can totally rely on her. I know that okay. emotionally I can rely on her. And she's a capable yeah. person. She has managed a person like me who has been very questioning about everything. Very, I would say, not a person who accepts everything easily because I am on a quest <laughs> to, to discover myself and, to, and this life. So she has been with a person who can think and think in a very weird term or perhaps not in a very conventional thing. So, yeah. That way, she is a capable woman, and I admire her for this. I admire her for her tenacity in the world situations and for one thing that she has a lot of depth in life. Everything that is said or that is set in this society, you don't have to go always by this because human beings are not meant to be set in molds or frames. You outgrow those frames, so that acceptability has been given to me by her. Beautiful. 
If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Well, that would be my mother, of course, because I la- <laughs> learn so much from her and she surprises me. She still, I mean, it has been so many years, she's been my mother and I still look <laughs> at her as a very unique person. She surprises me. Whenever I listen to her, I'm like, wow, this is a perspective which is so out of the world which is so accepting, tolerant, and unique, and so full of depth. So she would definitely, anytime, be the woman I would love <laughs> <Okay>. to <laughs> If you could go back, Talika, and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? <laughs> I was always a very adventurous sort of a person, wild and questioning, but what piece of advice I would give is spend less time on crying, and do more work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Well, I would say that life is a beautiful phenomenon. It's a beautiful gift given to all of us, and it has to be lived to the fullest. So whatever you have right now does not matter. How you utilize it matters. How many days you have on this earth does not matter. How many people you have does not matter. If you have just one person, and that might be only you, then live with that person fully and make the most of this situation, this time, this moment. Beautiful. Talika, thank you so much. This was such a beautiful, inspiring, educational, amazing conversation. You are a true inspiration, Talika. It's been an absolute pleasure having the opportunity to sit down and share in your story and your journey and your accomplishments in this world, you are a bright, beautiful light and keep shining that beautiful light out into the world through all the work that you do and through all that you are as a human being, woman and soul. I appreciate you and I'm grateful to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you for making the time to chat with me today. Well, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you and connecting through many people through you also. So you have been that link for me that I could feel this kind of energy I could feel this connection, this human connection. Thank you so much for giving me this. I can see your smile and I, I, I'm so happy. I'm always happy to have a human smile given to me. Thank you so much for this. It's been an absolute pleasure. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Tulika Rani. She is an ex-Indian Air Force officer, a mountaineer, a motivational speaker, a TEDx speaker, an author, and a G20 brand ambassador from Utah Pradesh. Thank you so much, Talika. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. And same to you. Thank you so much. Good day. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.